Welcome, family of God. So good to have you, brothers and sisters, in the house of the Lord. Uh, we know that there are quite a number of you here who are here for the very first time. Be assured that you are important, you are special, you have joined a very special family. There's no other family in the world like the family of God. Can we say amen? amen. Today we celebrate Holy Communion, which we do once a month. And the Holy Communion is such a powerful thing that we don't want to make it a ritual. We don't want to make it an empty ritual that, does, that has lost all its meaning. Because two aspects that Jesus says that He gave His body for you and I. That the blood that He shed was for you and I. You and I can never question God. God, do you love me? You and I, in our difficult, the most difficult moments in our lives, we cannot challenge, we cannot be angry with God. Every time we are going to well up in frustration, in annoyance and irritation, and say, where are you, God? Can we go back and point back to Calvary? On that cross, Jesus says, this is how much I love you. Jesus didn't hang on the cross for his sins, for his guilt, for his shame, for his rejection. In fact, he took upon himself our guilt, our shame, and our rejection by a holy God. Everything that he did, he did it for you and for me. So for each one of us here, when we come to the Lord's Supper, I just want you to be reminded every time we have the Lord's Supper, it is a very sacred moment. And it's meant to be normal in the church, in the house of God, in the family, where we come with two things that Paul addressed in the Corinthian church. That they were desecrating the power, the meaning of what Jesus has done. Jesus, Paul told them, put aside your love feast, put aside your drunkenness, put aside your separation between classes of the rich and the poor. Instead, examine yourself. Because none of us are worthy to be saved. We are saved simply because of the grace of God and the faith that He even gives to us to be called sons and daughters of the Lord. Today I've entitled my message, which is part of the core value that I'm introducing to you. I've introduced that to the staff and to the pastors, and now I'm, today I'm introducing to us as a church. And I'll be doing this in the Tamil church next week. I'll be doing this in the Bahasa church the following week. And then I'll be doing this in the Chinese church the last week of the month. Because we want to be aligned. We want to sync with what 
the new shift that we are moving into, the fresh wind that God is blowing in our midst, the new things that God is doing. Last Wednesday, I don't know how many of you attended our prayer encounter. We had such an amazing time. Just for, for some of you who may not know, we have, start our, we have restarted our physical prayer encounter. So it's both physical and online. May I encourage us to come back in prayer, to be filled with the Spirit because it is so important that human touch, that gathering of the saints. And the word that was shared by Pastor Roger was about the new season that we are, God is doing a new thing, such an appropriate and powerful word. And we had ministry during that. People were prayed for, people went down under the Spirit of God. So we are excited for the new things that God is doing. I know even right at the beginning, when uh, Pastor Tiffany came up and the worship team, the automatic thing to do is to stand up when we see the worship team. And because, can I just let you know, to expect the unexpected in this new season. Be prepared and don't limit God in what God is going to do. There's going to be changes. There's going to be new things that we are going to embark. So like the word, I believe there are several people have spoken that prophetic word, that glad tidings is going through a shifting that God is doing. We are heading in somehow in a new direction that the Spirit of God. And I pray as the church family, we will all be moving together. Not just English church, but we want to make sure as part of the core value that as the family church, we, you know that here, we don't have all the family of God here. Where are the other family members? Can you all just begin to shout out? Where are all the other family members? Yes. They are spread all over. This is our family. Sometimes we are so narrow in our thinking of who is our family. And our family is spread out everywhere. And we come in different colors, different shapes, different sizes, and different hairstyles, different languages. But we thank God for the variety, for the diversity that we are we're having. And together we are stronger, you know, when we combine together. So today we are going to, 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 to speak about the family church. I'm going to emphasize it as I shared with the pastor, as I shared with uh, Pastor Tiffany as the family life pastor, that we are, uh, when, when I say family, let me qualify, it's not just those with biological families, but we are talking about the spiritual family. That means all of us have two families, our biological families, and we have a, a spiritual family. And this spiritual family, we are going to be with us in heaven together for all eternity. So we need to get used to one another. If you don't like the way we look, you don't like the way we walk, you don't like the way we talk, you better start practicing for heaven. We want each other to be comfortable when we go into Tamil church, when we go into Bahasa Indonesia church, when we go to Chinese church, when you go into the kids' church, when you go into the youth church, we want to be considered that this is my church. This is my brother. This is my sister. Only in a church 
we call each other brothers and sisters. And you know, for people who do not have family, for people who have lost their family through death, you still have a family. And where is your family? We are your family. The church is your family. Can we say an amen to that? So we have a bigger family. We always have a family here. And that's why we need to know what it means to be a family member. We know in the biological family what it means to be a, bi- a family in your own a biological family. But in the church, there are some things that are unique. There are some things that are distinct from even our biological family. And these are the things that are taught by the Word of God, by the Lord Himself, who is the Lord of the church, who is the Lord of the family. And Lord, we have a Father, a Heavenly Father over our family. We have a Lord over our family. And we also have the Holy Spirit, who is also now in each one of us as the body and in each one of us individually. So we are temples. I know some of us come from a previous background, previous religious background where we go to temples. But even when we come here, we are a different temple. And the difference between us and all the other temples is who resides in our temple and who is the one that we bow down and worship. In the temple, the church, 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, and in the individual, the temple, is the Holy Spirit is the Lord in our temples. He is the one who points us to Jesus. He is the one who will lift up the name of Jesus. He will not proclaim any other God but Jesus Christ. So if we have the Spirit of God fully in our lives, we will think about the thoughts of Jesus. We will speak the words of Jesus. We will want to run after the knowledge and the truth of our Lord Jesus. We will want to serve as Jesus serves. How did we come into this family of God? In, first, in John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, But to all who did receive Him, who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So how did we come into the family of God? How did we join this privileged family? It is simply the work of God that just asks us to command us to repent and believe in the one who came for us, Jesus Christ. Those who receive Him, regardless of age, regardless of your background, regardless of your failure, regardless of your mess, that anyone can come and receive Him and His Word and the Gospel and believe in His name. Only one name we proclaim over and over again, and that is the name of Jesus. In Hebrew, Yeshua. Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus, the Christ. So for us who join the family of God, we are born again. And that is where we get the term born again. 
we were born once biologically from, we came from our mother because of the union of our mom and dad. But we are born again in our spirit when we begin to acknowledge and welcome the life of Christ into us, the one who has the resurrection power. And so we have the resurrection life of Christ in us, each one of us, to begin to see things differently in the spirit realm, that we are now reconnected back to God. No more offline with what God is thinking, with what God wants for each one of our lives. But now we are connected online, directly with God Himself. And that is where we have our teaching, our training. The Holy Spirit continues to open up the Word of God. The Holy Spirit begins to deal, start to deal with our character flaws. The Holy Spirit comes to deal with our past life. Today, as we talk about the family church, we want to come back to the why we are a family. Why is so important and powerful that we are the family of God. We know what we are as glad tidings. We love God and we want to touch lives. Praise God. We know how we are going to love God and touch lives. It is in our mission statement. We win souls, we build people, we impact communities and we reach nations. But the what and the how must be backed up by the why we win souls, why we love God, why we touch lives, why we reach nations, why we impact community, why we build people. And the why, as I shared on Friday with the leaders, is the value of every soul. That each one of each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Can we say an Amen. If you turn to one another right now and look at the one beside you and behind you, you will see a precious, precious soul that is of great worth, great value, great dignity that God has placed into each one of us. Even those not yet in the church, not yet saved, they are of equal value to God. And that is why we are winning souls. That is why we are going to the mission field. So the core value that I introduced to the team is that everyone matters to God. You are important. And this is so fundamental. This is so basic. This is at the very root of who we are and who gave us that value, that worth. It is God Himself. That value started when God breathed into Adam and Eve and He became a living being. It is because of that breathing, because of the image that we have, that is why every human being matters to God. Even the people who are wicked, even the tyrants, even the people who, who does bad things, they are of equal value to God. And that is why 
we never give up on people. I thank God that the one who reached out to me never gave up on me because I was almost a hopeless case. I was almost a lost cause. And so, just like Saul, many could have given up on him. It says that he was a persecutor of the church. He tried to imprison. He, he was responsible. When Stephen was martyred, he was there, cheering on to kill the Christians. But there was a turning point in his life when he met the Lord Jesus Christ. And each one of us here, seated right now, all of us, we had a turning point in our life where we suddenly discovered that there's something missing in our lives. There is a void in our lives that only God, only Jesus can fill. There is a deep dissatisfaction, no matter how successful, no matter how much we have achieved in life, there is something missing in our life. And that is the Holy Spirit coming back again. Do you know that not just heaven is our goal here, but getting back the Holy Spirit in the old, uh, uh, in the King James Version of the Bible, the Holy Spirit was known as the Holy Ghost. Because at that time, ghost was not so uh, the ghost of today. <laughs> so what Jesus has come to do to restore back that image is to put the ghost back into us and to remove all other ghosts. We thank God that we have a ministry that deals with ghosts. And some of us are still struggling with certain ghosts. But we pray that today that the only ghost that we have in us is the Holy Ghost. Can we say an amen to that? We have the healing rooms that many times helps us to begin to identify what are the, some of the ghosts that enjoy privileges in our lives, that influence our lives. And even after becoming a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we may still struggle with certain ghosts. That means in terms of certain things that we have not dealt with, it doesn't mean that the moment we say yes to Jesus, everything is okay, everything is dealt with. There are things in our life that we need to deal with in, in a process. And that's why we need spiritual discipleship. That's why we need a healing a ministry. And so if we are struggling in any area in our lives that could possibly be some power left that we have not taken back from this ghost in our life and surrendered to the Holy Ghost. But we thank God for the ministry in the Connect Group. We thank God for the ministry that we have in the church, in the healing rooms, in the counselling that we are, we are doing right now that is able to pray for people to be set free, to be all that God wants us to be. I know we, we love this story about Zacchaeus. I know the children's church, the kids' church love this story about Zacchaeus. I think all of us uh, love this. We love it because he was a short man. 
So this is an affirmation to those who feel that they are short. <laughs> Jesus loves you just as much. If we are bigger size than others, Jesus loves you just as much. If we have an image issue with our body, you know, sometimes people who are still so apparently perfect, still not happy with their body. Jesus loves you. I just want to pick up these few verses in John, uh, uh, Luke 19. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all grumbled. Of course, we are talking about the leaders, the religious people. He has gone to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And we know what happened. That Zacchaeus had a turning point, just like you and I in life. He thought that he never had a chance with this holy man, with this Jesus. But Jesus began to look up at the tree. I thank God that Jesus looks everywhere for us. Some of us were caught up in the tree. Some of us were up in the valley. Some of us were in prison. Some of us were in the hospital. Jesus seeks for you and I. Jesus sees us when He sees a spark in us because each one of us, we are of great, great value to God. So we know that Zacchaeus proved that he has a special guest. Did Jesus plan to stay in Zacchaeus' house? I don't think so. But the Holy Spirit led him to look up on the tree. Did Zacchaeus expect to have a very special guest in his house to stay with him? No, he never thought when he climbed that tree. But there was grace. There was the Spirit moving to when people are uh, at, at that point where they are searching, are seeking and hungering. And so he gave up half his wealth to the, to the poor. And those he have cheated, I think there were a long queue of people that he cheated as a tax collector. I believe the queue can be maybe one mile long. People waiting. He said he was going to pay them four times what they, they owe. This is just a proof that Jesus came to look for lost sons and lost daughters. Jesus came to bring back his family. And that's why Jesus came to establish the church that he's bringing back sons and daughters. And where are the other sons and daughters today? They are outside. And that's why we do. When you are equipped by the pastors, when you are trained and moved and discipled, you will be sent out to begin to bring in sons and daughters. We thank the Lord for in our church, we have many who have a passion for souls, but we need more than just this many. We need all of us. Whether we are pastors, whether we are ministers, whether we are board members, whether we are leaders, all of us, we have that ministry. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Who is the you? Can we just point to each other? Jesus is talking about you. You. Jesus is talking about you. So we are pointing to each other. Jesus has no one else to bring in the sons and daughters but you and I. Jesus is not going to use 
angels. Of course, he can use angels during the time of the tribulation. God is going, God may use angels, but not now. Now he has you and I. He has your hands, he has your feet, he has your heart, he has your eyes to bring in the sons. So no one should be left out. And so in the church, in the house of God, we know that some of you come alone because you are the first fruits of those who have been saved. The other family members are not there yet. But see it as though you are the first fruits and that other fruits will come in. Your spouse, your children, your family, your siblings, one day they will come in because Jesus is seeking after them and they are of great value. So your testimony and my testimony as a child of God to your unsaved loved one is so powerful. That will make a difference. When the Lord of life and truth meets us at the crossroads and the turning point of our life, miracles happen. Life transformation happens. We are convicted and we have a new destiny. We turn around. We are freed from our old enslavement to our old life and we turn and walk where God wants us to walk. So to belong to the greatest family in the universe, where is that family, brothers and sisters? Where is the greatest family in the universe now? Here. You are that family that is the greatest. There's no other family that's greater than this family. Why? Because we are not a club. We are not an association. We are not an institution. We are not a hot... a hotel. We are not a spa where people come to be massaged. I know a lot of people come like to be massaged and to say people, they just want the blessing but they don't want the suffering that is involved before we get the full blessing. So in the family of God, there is blessing, there is a season of suffering, there is a season of discipling and discipline that comes to the house of God. So Realize that, that you and I belong to the greatest family ever. Nowhere in the world where we have people from different, different backgrounds coming to sit alongside, beside you, behind you, in front of you, serving together in the ministry. Nowhere else you can find this. So let me affirm again, what is the church? The church is a hospital a healing community. So we are not a a buffet, a restaurant where you come and pick and choose what you want. You come here and accept all that Jesus brings into the church because it is not we. When we even lead someone to the Lord, actually it's not us. Who is the one who lead them? It is the work of the Holy Spirit. We are just vessels. So, You and I, just like our family members, we cannot choose our father and mother. We cannot choose our brother and sister. Same thing in the family of God. Who chooses our brothers and sisters? God Himself. So we better get comfortable with the people sitting behind us. 
We must be comfortable with those in the other halls, in the Bahasa church, in the Tamil church, in the Chinese church, because these are the ones specially chosen by the Lord, those who responded to Him. And we have to get used to it. We have to get used to calling each other my brother, my sister, because we have one Father, we have one Lord, we have one Spirit, we have one baptism. Can we say amen to that? So that's why we are going to have prayer after the service. You know, we're going to have uh, some members of the healing room who will be praying. We have some, we have Brother Eddie and Irene. We have our church pastors and altar ministry team because this is a hospital. We have grief counseling. Today, we're starting our 13 week grief counseling uh, program, which caters to the needs of those who have lost their loved one. We have, they have a family. And it's so powerful to belong to a community and those who are in the connect group, you know how important it is to have someone coming alongside you in the journey of life to do life together. We have our counselling ministry. We have different ministries that reach out to people even in the connect group, reaching out to people. We have our equip ministry that will prepare people to do ministry. So the church... Remember, it's not a mall. You can come when you are free. You can come when you want. You need something. Of course, when you need something, I pray that it's all the time you come to church. It's not an association or a club by special membership. But it is a place. It is the house of God. It is where family meets. It's a fa where family do life together. There are three things, there are three emotional pain that all of us experience in life. There is guilt and shame and rejection. I know because I experienced all that growing up without a father, with my mother struggling with my sister, I know all of that. And until I met the Lord Jesus Christ, these three areas could not be dealt with. I always feel that I contributed to the breaking down of the marriage. I always feel that I could do more as the only son in the family. So, and because of that, I also try to make, to do things on my own and because of that, I sin and I fail. And then there's a shame of humiliation. Do you know when I, when I was young and I go to school, I had to tell a lie to my friends that my family is very rich. I was embarrassed. I told them, you know, we live in a big house. We, my, my dad drives a big car. My father and mother loves each other very well when it was the direct opposite. My mother had to ask back money from my father, had to be abused by my, 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 my stepfather. We sometimes had to borrow money to eat. And so I had to struggle with that shame. Some of you have gone through the shame of humiliation, sexual abuse, physical abuse. I went through physical abuse with my dad. I know that, that sexual abuse and physical abuse is one of the most painful things to go through. 
And because of that, you feel shame. You feel that you did nothing about it. Maybe you were partly responsible for it. And so some people come to the Lord having that, carrying that baggage in their life. Rejection. Broken relationship. Divorce. Some, some of our members have got, gone through that. Separation. Some of you felt unloved all the time. And then if you go back and you go for counselling, you realise that at that point, your mum was thinking of giving up on you, aborting you. And that's why throughout life you feel a sense of rejection in your life. Some of you, because you feel so unloved in broken relationships, you feel that nobody wants me. I'm undeserving. I experience all that thing, guilt and shame and rejection. But do you know who is the only one who is the healer of healers? Who is the one who restores back your true identity that you and I are of great value to God? Even though we messed up in our lives, even though we experience abuse and rejection, failure in relationship, Jesus is the one who comes and says, I love you. Jesus is the one who says, you have not lost any of your values. I still love you with an everlasting love. People may reject you, but I will always accept you. Do you know when Jesus hung on the cross, when everything went dark, and those last moments before, the last few words, that Jesus says, my God, my God, why did you forsake me? It is for you and for me. So for all of those who have been rejected and forsaken, can I assure you, when you come to the Lord of life, He will deal with your guilt, with your shame, with your rejection. Jesus deliberately experienced all these things, our guilt, our shame, our rejection, so that anyone who comes to the healer, to the great physician Jesus Christ, will be made whole again will be restored back their identity, that they are made in the image of God, that you are of great value. Yesterday, on, on Friday, I, I, I had this illustration. I think I'll, I'll do that again. This has been assigned a value of one ringgit. This is the intrinsic value, just like us being made in the image of God. God has given us a very special value. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. What happens when life crushes us? What happens to the value? Do we change to 50 cents? Do we change to 20 cents or do we lose our value? No. The value is still there. We are still one dollar. Uh, sorry, one ringgit. <laughs> we are still as valuable as ever to God. What happens if we are stepped upon, we are rejected. What happens to that value? We are still the same. And all of us have gone through that experience in our lives, myself included, that we have been crushed, we have been pressed, we have been betrayed, we have been abused. But that doesn't change how much you and I are worth to the Lord. We are still worth so much 
we have our dignity that no one can take away. We have that importance in the eyes of the Lord. That's why Jesus looked up on the tree to look at Zacchaeus. Jesus looked to the, just called the blind, the two Bartimaeus. Jesus looked at the woman caught in adultery and says, sin no more. If the others do not condemn you, I do not condemn. Jesus looked at the sinful woman and received the tears, the perfume of the woman who worshipped him. Because Jesus says, regardless of what others say about you, I love you. You are important. You are of great value. You never change your value. And that is why we must see those who are outside of our church as of great value to the Lord. And that's why we do what we do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we say that it's the Spirit who baptizes us into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one, the moment we say yes and born again, Holy Spirit places us into the church of Jesus Christ. Our membership is not dependent on us. Our membership is based on our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what the Spirit does in our life. So we were created and saved not for our own benefit or interest, but that we may belong and be part of the family and the church of Christ. What is the core value of the family of God? It's love. And Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. What is the new commandment? To love one another. Why do we love one another? Because Jesus loves each one of us. We love because Jesus loves. We forgive because Jesus has forgiven us. We cannot do anything less than what Jesus has done. So the fruit of the Spirit is when we allow the Spirit of God to work in our temple. We have a lot of things that the Holy Spirit is doing and it will not end. The work of sanctifying is a lifetime that God is removing all the edges, all the sharpness in our lives. Sometimes our tongues, we are too sharp with our tongue. Sometimes we are too judgmental. To be too critic and to be critical is different. To critic is to give your constructive evaluation. But to be critical is to be judgmental, to always want to find fault with people. And that is something that the Lord is dealing with each one of us. And that is where love comes in. Love is self-giving. Love is unselfish. Love is considering others even better than yourself. Love is seeing the value of others the way God sees the value in you. The second thing about the family, the, 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 the core value of the family one is the love of God, that we love one another. The, the golden rule, what is the golden rule of the family? Is whatever we want others to do to you, you also do to them. So the next time when we think of spreading rumour, we think of hurting someone with our words or cheating someone, begin to think that would I want someone else to do the same to me? And this will be uh, the golden rule for us who belong to the family of God. So how do we act, behave and relate towards others? Because God is watching and testing us. There are three things that I just want to leave with you before I end. 
we want to be like Jesus Christ when He looked at anyone that comes to Him, whether it's the poor beggar, whether it's the lepers that come to Him, the ten lepers that came to Him, only one came back to thank Him and worship Him. Or whether it is the sinful woman or the adulterer that came to Him. We want to have the heart of Christ. To be in the family of God is to have the heart of Christ for people, for one another, for people who are different from us. There are three things that I just want to leave with you. The first thing is to believe in people. Jesus believed in me even though He saw my mess. He saw my sins. He saw my mistakes. Jesus did the same to you. And Jesus says that if only, if only Michael will give me a chance, I'm going to renovate his temple. I'm going to bring in the ID people. I'm going to bring in the contractors. I'm going to do a refurbishing, a full renovation of his temple. And that is what Jesus does when we give him permission, when we open that door of our house, of our heart to Jesus. He comes and brings in his team. And who are his team? The Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And he will do a thorough makeover of our lives. So Jesus sees our potential. Sometimes we look at people as they are. And that is our fault. That is our mistake. We look at people who are right now and we say that no hope. We give up. Sometimes you're, you're, some of you may be thinking of your, your spouses. Some of us, you may be thinking of your bosses and say, I don't think so. Lah. You know, this looks like a very hard nut. A lost cause. Mission impossible, part four. <laughs> but the mission can become possible because Jesus still loves that person. So we ask the Lord, Lord, give me a heart for my spouse who has not yet come, for my children, for my parents, for my colleague, for my boss, for my neighbor, even for my enemy. And love involves loving even your enemies. The disciples and the religious leaders say, I think we just don't make friends with them. It's good enough. Lah. But Jesus says, no, that's not enough. Let me take you to another level. Bless your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to your enemies. And you will pour hot coals. Let them feel guilty. Let them feel ashamed. Not you deliberately doing it, but let the Holy Spirit work in their lives. Believe in people. Believe in the children. Believe in the youth, the young adult, because they are our future leaders. They are our future evangelists. They are our future disciples and disciple makers. Today, even as I came here, I saw two very, uh, three plus Elvin. I saw Isla, the cute one here. You saw Esther. They are right in front. And uh, I just, and Elvin, right? Elvin? Yeah. And they were here very early and they sat down quietly. Sometimes we adults cannot sit down quietly. <laughs> we are so edgy. We look at our phones. 
we look what's happening. You know, what happened yesterday? Did uh, Liverpool win the first game? For those Liverpool fans here, no, we draw, not too bad. So I saw Ayla there. You know, for some of us who were feeling cold, Ayla just kept quiet there. Just keep on looking around. And Esther too was there. And Elvin was there. They just sat quietly. Didn't run around, didn't play. Wow. This is what we want to see in the house of God. The youth, the children, the kids feeling that this is their home. This is their family. So sometimes as adults, we bypass the kids. We say that they are not important. They are not second-class Christians. The youth, the young adult or the kids, they are, in God's eyes, they are first-class as us. They are all equally of great value. We know some of us have selective eyesight, selective hearing, like some of our wives complainers, we have selective hearing. But many of us, because we tend to, 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 to give lower value to people, because our attitude of what, can, what good use are you to me, that is the wrong thing to do. We don't use people, but we love people. We believe in people and we use things and don't use people. And that is what must be the culture in the family of God. So I pray that there will be more and more opportunities as I discussed with Pastor Sarah and uh, Pastor Tiffany about making our services a family-friendly service. Not just seeker-friendly, but family-friendly. Even if the children were to make noise, please, be patient because they are also a member in the house of God. So we just get used to it, you know. Just like you go to a restaurant, you go to cinema, some people are noisier than others. What do you do? You just have to get used to it because we are family. Families can be very noisy, right? Families can be unruly sometimes. But they are family. And so we want to treat each other as family. So believe in people. Don't give up on people. And see the value that God has in them. Secondly is value people. Why do we value people? Because Jesus has already placed that fixed intrinsic value in each one of us. That we are of great worth to God that Jesus looks at us all equal, regardless of our dressing, regardless of our wealth, regardless of our achievement, of the titles behind our name. Jesus is not interested in that. Jesus does not value us, assess based on our achievement. But Jesus says, you are my child. You are the same. I treat Isla the way I treat Uncle George here, Mona. I spoke about loving each other un unconditionally. Then we spoke about serving others. We are here to serve one another. I know the church right now is a bit lopsided. The pastors are not supposed to do everything. It is against Ephesians chapter 4. It is against the Word of God. The pastors are not supposed to one leg kick because now they are feeling the burnout. They are feeling exhausted. They are feeling that 
Why did God call me into the ministry? So some have to go for, to seek counselling. Some have to take time out. But if you look at Ephesians 4, what is the purpose of the office of the pastor and the teacher? It is to equip the saints for the ministry. So the pastors are here. And that's why the equipping is going on in the connect group, in the equip that Pastor Sunita is heading, is to equip each one of you to do the work of the ministry. We want to start that process where in the altar, not just the pastors praying, but we have all our members coming to pray for one another. We want to see couples praying together. We want to see children ministering to others. And that is my dream. I have a dream. To see all of you, wherever you are sitting up there, online, that you say that this is my family. This is my church. I'm called to serve. I'm not called to be a pew warmer. I'm not called to be a spectator. I'm not called to be an audience and just push everything to the pastor. Anybody wants prayer, go to the pastor. No. I want that to stop. I want to say that. Anyone want prayer? Let me pray for you. You need some form of guidance? I'm here for you. And so I'm creating a culture here, a new culture that we want to empower the people of God to serve together. We started with the hospitality, which we're going to change because it sounds a bit like hospital. Huh? But we are also a hospital, right? Yeah, we are a hospital for the poor, the sick, not just the physically sick, but for the mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And that's why we are a hospital. So we are going to change it to a welcome lounge. And usually there is a team that is on duty. But if we are moving towards a family church, who is going to welcome? I don't expect just the welcome team. I expect each one of us to welcome the visitors. We are going to swarm every visitor here like bees, like locusts, and says, Hello, welcome to the family of God. What can I do for you? Can I bring you for a cup of tea and drink? Can I talk to you? Can I introduce you to the leaders? Can I introduce you to the board? Can I reduce you to the pastors? I want all of us to usher people in to the house of God. Not just the ushers. I want the traffic people. We thank God for the traffic. It's one of the toughest jobs. You have to be thick-skinned. You, you have to endure the, sometimes the different weather, hot, rain, sun, and then you have to smell the carbon monoxide. That's why we need to get oxygen for them. But I want everyone, even from the car park, and just welcome people in the car park. Family doesn't start when we enter Maranatha. Family starts from the house. When you come to church, I'm going to my, my father's house. Not my house, not my house, huh? Father's house. I'm going to my father's house. I want each one of us to bring one, each one bring one. Your neighbor, your friend, and says, have you experienced, I'm going to show you what a family does. 
a spiritual family does. And when they come in, they are swamped, just like the SWAT team. They are swamped, and everybody comes and greet them and hug them, because now we don't hug yet. We just greet them, and we have such, it's such contagious that they say, wow, even in my own family, we are not so family. I want that to be that new culture, that new experience. Right from our church office, this is something we are changing in the church office too, you know, that we love one another, we treat each other as family. So I want that today. Everyone becomes an usher. Everyone becomes a traffic controller. Everyone uh, becomes a, a, a welcome team member. Everyone who, who is here becomes a host to everyone that comes here. So we not just greet the visitors. I pray that we will have so many visitors that we have a lot of work to do. We can spread out, you know, so everyone can, can do that. But we want each one of us here to take responsibility for this is my church. I want each one of us to feel so comfortable. I must bring somebody to introduce to my church, to the church of God, to my father's house, because my, the family members are so caring, so loving, so contagious. Can we do that? I know there are some, some certain times where we are afraid to bring our friends because we don't know how they're going to react. Because some, they, they may not like certain faces, some grumpy faces, some irritating faces. They see and say, is this a church of Jesus Christ? But we want to come just like, today I just noticed the worship leader, Henry. I just saw the way that he smiled. You know, I think it lights up the hall, you know, when he smiled. You know, I believe that the other team members too, but I was watching him, you know. It's very contagious, correct? Smile and friendliness and courteous is very contagious. And I pray that we will be a contagious people. We will infect others not with COVID-19. We will not share that. We don't want to share that. But we share others with our infectiousness, our contagiousness. We know that some of you are here alone. Some of you may not have family members who understand the church family. May I want to assure you that you belong here. And can I begin to challenge, if you see anyone who is alone, you know, before the service, after the service, during the service, may I ask you to just come alongside the person and just say, how are you? What's your name? Can we have a drink together? And that's what we are going to do after the service. We are going to create an oasis or a watering hole. And this is where Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. We are going to create a well at the fellowship garden. After service, you just come for a bit of coffee and tea and some refreshment and just say, come. You have anyone to, go to, to have a meal? You know, come. Let's just go and have, I, I hope today it won't be swamped because we just prepare for, uh, not, not uh, we prepare for maybe about 100, but it's just a, a beginning to be family. We want to show that we are family. Two things we are going to start today, to restart again, that is our prayer ministry because we are a hospital. And we are a family by ensuring that there are people that you can talk to, minister to, lead us, 
the board members, the pastors will move around, you know, even a fellowship to get to know people. And we can get to know some of our members too. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. Can we ask the worship team to come right now? Sorry, I just took a bit more time today because I want to set the tone. I want to set the pace for where we are heading as a family church. We want everyone to feel that this is where they belong. I want everyone, my, my, I have a dream, again, that people will rush to church. People will queue up to come to the church. When we went, when my wife and I went to Yoido Gospel Church in Korea, where uh, last year was Cho Yonggi and Pastor, Pastor Lee Yong Hoon, the elderly ladies were running to the entrance wanting to get in because after a certain time, they closed the door. They're very strict with the timing there. We are not going to close the door. But we hope that people will just run to church because I'm going to see my family. I'm going to worship together with my family. And that's what the communion is. Communion, time is communion with God and communion with my family. That is the power of the family of God. Can we just sing this song before we just pray?